Hey everybody, Todd Mitchell here. Welcome back one more time to Game Dev Breakdown. In this episode, this is something we haven't really done too often in the past, if ever. I have collected a series of news stories we have covered in the past that all have sort of interesting updates to them. Things I found worthy of discussing again. Some new developments have taken place. Things that will entertain us. I've got a even a little bit of a how-to at one point. So it's going to be part news, part update, and I think it's going to be fun. So sit tight, and uh, here we go. Good evening, fans. Tim Kittrow here, the voice of NBA Jam, and you're listening to the Game Dev Breakdown Podcast, brought to you by CodeWritePlay.com. Boom shakalaka! My mom gave birth in 1985. I was blue than a Pac-Man ghost, barely alive. In the Cold War, my only blanket was Tetris. I played Rampart with Reagan Rampage, the world for breakfast. The laundry mat was my sanctuary. The arcade was my church. I thought I was all right, if you follow my Twitter posts, and how could you follow all of it? I tweet all day. But if you follow my Twitter content, you saw me bring up Lego and Unity and their happy little union. <laughs> we, we talked about this in the episode titled Lego Mania. It was not very long ago. The situation is that Lego has released a micro game. Unity micro games are these small projects with like built-in tutorial lessons in them. Uh, it's a great way to learn stuff in the Unity editor. They have, they have cool step-by-step things. It's not a perfect system. It's a little glitchy here and there, but it is. it really is a good way to tinker. It's a good way to see how different things are done. Like they have a really cool kart racer micro game. So that would be like a good starting point if you wanted to do your own kart racer, which I've always wanted to do. Wouldn't that be fun? That would be a blast. So they have different things you can check out and different things you can learn. Well, now Lego has created a micro game that allows you to basically create a slightly watered down version of their Lego games. So, I mean, you've got the movie tie-ins, all the various Lego City, Lego Underground, this and that. You can do your own development of your own Lego content. It's a great way to learn Unity stuff. And when I covered it, part of my coverage was, hey, I notice that what they're actually teaching you is, sure, there's a little discussion about here's the Unity editor, here are the buttons you press, here's the drag and drop, but... A lot of the educational material was focused on you could put these special bricks that they had programmed, these prefabs in, with all this attached programming logic. So they had special scripts attached, the different bricks would do different things, they had a special mode you could activate in the editor, so it's stuff you would never do anywhere else. And I said, based on what I'm seeing here, I don't think there's any way that they made this micro game and they don't have greater plans and bigger designs for this for the future. I speculated a little bit about what they intended to do. I felt very strongly, and I'm, I'm not convinced this isn't the case. I said in the podcast, I think they're going to create something like a Roblox-type platform where developers can jump into Unity and use Unity instead of that nasty Roblox editor, if you've ever played with that. And they can create their own content and be compensated somehow. And then everybody can do all this user-generated Lego content. You can have a social element to it. They can have their own Roblox. Because I said, I bet it kills them watching Roblox be this dirty, cheap version of Lego. (laughs) Uh, I'm sorry, that's how their, their game comes across. But the kids love it. A lot of people spend tons of time in Roblox. Okay, fine. So I speculated that 
Lego probably planned on doing their own version of Roblox, and maybe this is what they were gearing up towards. Okay, we don't have confirmation of anything like that. However, I noticed a tweet, uh, I think it was yesterday at, at latest, uh, both Unity and Lego had tweeted that, oh, somebody appeared on the Bits and Bricks podcast, and I think that is actually a Lego promotional thing that they own and operate, but uh, somebody appeared on there and gave a one-hour talk about, you know, the potential of the Unity Lego thing and, and the community and, and all this stuff. So it was a lot of, you know, just promotional hype talk and everything. I get it. But they let it slide that Lego Group, which uh, runs all things Lego, of course, they are, let me find this quote, it said, the microgame project could one day allow hopeful game developers to submit their creations to a fan community and the Lego group for potential publication as an official Lego title, said Lego Group's Anders Holm, or Anders Holm. Okay, so what do we have? We have confirmation that this... The minigame was not just the minigame. How could it be, right? Now, I don't know if they use something like what they put in the microgame when they're really developing LEGO titles. That could be one other explanation for why they have stuff like that. But I really, really think this was the groundwork for something big. And this kind of confirms that. So they said that some of this relies on how the community takes to this and what kind of stuff they create now while you can just do whatever you want with the, the minigame project. But it sounds like they envision a future where you download this in Unity, you play around, you learn what you're doing, and then you create basically a prototype, submit it to Lego, and maybe, maybe they go, yes, we like this, you are going to create your own full officially licensed Lego game. And that's the dream when this came out, right? That's what everybody really wanted. They wanted the opportunity to create their own Lego stuff. I would love that, of course, but I also had a lot of stupid ideas, like I'm going to do my own Lego Always Sunny in Philadelphia and Letterkenny Lego game. <laughs> and I immediately took the assets out of the microgame project and put them into my own Unity project, because if you drag those assets into a clean Unity project, you can do literally whatever you want with them. So I was just being a smartass, basically, and just playing around doing whatever I pleased. But it, we have gotten that confirmation, and here's somebody give me some credit here. We got our confirmation that they are actively considering how to do this in the future. Here's why I still think I may be even righter than I already am. Not to pat myself on the back. But here's why I think this may get even closer to what I previously predicted how would this work if they just strictly did what they talked about in that tweet i i can't really imagine them digging through all these like unity projects that get uploaded where the uh the unity i forget the name of it but that community uh page thing they just shut something down that would be the equivalent of this where it's like a portal where you can put different games and stuff some of their stuff isn't supported anymore. I really think there's going to be some official Lego platform where this stuff is submitted, where it's played by fans, where it's reviewed. I still think we're probably... And they didn't put a super fine point on how this would work. I still think we're headed in the direction of a Lego platform that's powered by Unity and widely available for both developers and players and involves some sort of compensation model. I have... Nothing to do but come up with wild theories like this, but I, I'm pretty confident about this. So that's my update on LEGO Unity. Let's see what else we got. <laughs> this one was a little bit unfair. I saw 
We've talked about this several times. I saw an update from Playdate. If you don't recall Playdate, Playdate is going to be that little yellow handheld thing with the fishing reel crank on the side. That bizarre little handheld that's, you know, all niche and cool and everything. But for a couple of years now, I think... They've been promising, like, we're going to put out the SDK, we're going to open this up for wide development from for indies of all types, and I got my hopes up from, like, day one when I heard about this thing, because I went, oh my god, indie developer is me, and I have an opportunity here that I could make a game for a handheld console at launch and that was cool because i was a young kid who played the game boy the original big clunky gray game boy like i was too young when it first came out but i was old enough while it was still around you could easily find them at a yard sale or used at the not the store but used somewhere i eventually got one i played tetris on it that was the ultimate to me that was the ultimate game boy experience was that original tetris game i loved that thing Later, my sister got Pokemon. We would play that together. One of the last positive memories I have with my sister at all. But it was a cool thing. So I, handheld consoles have always kind of held a unique place in my heart. And uh, I, to some degree, I even warmed up to like, you know, mobile development because it's like, okay, it's in your hand, it's in your pocket. And I can, under these unique constraints, I can develop games. Okay, well, when the play date was coming out, I went, yes, this is going to be it. This I'm going to scratch that itch. I'm going to pay tribute to, you know, eight-year-old Todd or whatever. And Playdate just jerked us around forever. They acted like they were going to give out a bunch of um, a bunch of development kits. They allowed anybody who wanted one to go fill out a form, put in a bunch of personal information, put in our payment information, and let them put like a hold. Uh, no, that's not. Let me walk that back. They, I don't think they put a hold on the card, but it was something like if you were selected and only like what? I didn't look up the number. This is going to be wildly off, but like a hundred or something like a very small number of people actually got these development kits and they walked us all through it like we were all going to get them. I think they were somewhat clear they were going to be selective, but I thought they were going to do more than that. Well, the point is we've all been emotionally drugged through the ringer about this thing over this handheld that's going to be what 150 bucks it's going to be kind of limited it's going to have a black and white screen i don't think it's honestly going to do that well but i was still excited like i was i would have done a game for it that would have been a lot of fun and they swore up and down we're going to get this sdk out right away as soon as we can and you know then certain developers will be brought into our the, the store is going to be a totally walled garden as far as I can tell because they're going to put out like seasons worth of content and they say they're going to put in more games than I thought. I think I saw they said somewhere they're going to do like 150 games in the first season, something like that. I don't know how long the season's going to be, but it's going to be this carefully curated experience. But they did say like you will be able to, you know, every device is going to be a development kit. Once it comes out, you'll have the SDK. It uses Lua, which I was excited about because I used Lua for my Love 2D game that I shipped. I use Lua for uh, Pico 8 development. I know Lua game development pretty well, and it's very user-friendly. It's very easy to get started. I was psyched about this, and then they just kept kicking it into the future and kept kicking it into the future. This was before the pandemic started. This is not something where I can assign pandemic credit. This is something where they just kept, I don't even think they knew what they wanted to do. They've been talking about this all since way before they were anywhere near the finish line. I think they're so far behind on their own work. That's part of it. But they kept doing stuff that was 
just I'm going to sound like the world's biggest whiner here, but like it was emotionally taxing. Like it was unfair the way they did this. Like, oh, uh, we can't say when the SDK is coming out, but hint, hint, show up on our website on this stream in like, what, the middle of last year? First half of last year, they were like, here's a stream about getting started with the SDK development. I watched that entire thing for an hour or more. And then they go, oh, well, you know, we're not widely releasing the SDK yet. (laughs) Ha ha, our editor's not even done. (laughs) Okay, well, that's not funny. Okay, so at some point during during all this, I got mad and I said, me and the playdate are done. I don't care. I'm over it. So you guys have heard this rant before, but that's your refresher rant. Well, here's the update. A Playdate tweet caught my eye the other day because they said, oh, we fixed something in the SDK. And I went, the SDK? Sweet, the SDK must be out. Those bastards (laughs) tweeted about fixing something in the SDK when the SDK is not available to anyone but them and a select few people who have gotten their hardware kits. Well, that sucks. That's not, that's not really their fault. I, I misinterpreted that. But again, they got me again. They basically caught my attention again and I went, okay. All is forgiven. I will I will play around with the uh, Playdate SDK. And if I ever get to put the game out, that'd be fun. But I would like to play with it. And I got I got the football yanked out from under me again. And I did a backflip and hit my face on the ground. Okay, so Playdate has disappointed me for the last time. <laughs> I swear this time. I'm done. Here's how confident I am that I'm not going to screw with the Playdate later. If you are one of these people like me, who has just been waiting and waiting, checking and checking. I suggest you download Love2D. It runs everywhere. It has very low resource requirements. Install Love2D and you can make your own Playdate game, your own virtual Playdate game. It'll be almost like developing for an emulator, but here we go. Okay, I'm, I didn't prepare for this part. I'm going to look up the Playdate specifications. The display is 2.7 inches, 400 by 240 resolution. That is a weird size, but 400 by 240, here's how Love2D works. It's super convenient. If you download it, install it, add it to your path, there's some terminal stuff you can do, but there are a few ways you can start up like a main.lua file. You, you go to the, you pull up their wiki, it shows you like the two, the update and the draw functions that you put in. I like to do this in the Atom editor, A-T-O-M, Dot io. Uh, I like to use the Atom editor, put in these two functions. You basically, you can either zip up the folder that main.lua file is in, or you can like, you can zip up the folder, you can drop the folder onto the executable. There are like three ways you can do, or you can run it from the terminal after you add love to path. So there, there are like three pretty easy ways to start tinkering with Love2D. All you have to do is add another config file. This is all dead simple stuff that's on their wiki page, their Getting Started Wiki article, which I can link. You can put in the size, 400 by 240, as the uh, the screen size. Then you can simply restrict yourself to black and white because based on the stream I watched, that's exactly how development is going to happen. You just use black and white graphics, and if you don't, I think it just down uh, just downgrades them to black and white. And you can make your own game. I think it would be funny if people started to do this and share this and that kind of took off without Playdate since they decided we're not going to get anything from them. (laughs) Uh, Not only do they keep delaying the actual launch of the product, but they're back. They've they've downgraded their own promise to us like we may release the SDK eventually someday. It's no longer even going to be in tandem with the product, it sounds like. So it's like. 
this thing will come out and oh it's a development device but oh you also don't have the sdk it, that part's unclear but they've been so bad about this i am all for like maybe during the next jam or something just use these specs yourself make your own love 2d playdate game if you are interested in playing with the playdate and designing for it later this is a good way to start now because the code is very similar it's not identical but the conversion would be dead simple and you would have assets ready to go and so on. Watch their development stream if you want to go that route because you'll have some clues about the files you'll need and the uh, the format and what that stuff needs to look like. You'll also see how similar th this code is once you get going. So that's, that's my takeaway. If you're still nuts about the way Playdate is just jerking us all around, you can start now and uh, play without them and make the basically the same thing. So... That's my, that's my Playdate update. Let's talk about our sponsor, AppFigures. AppFigures is all about giving game makers the tools they need to get more downloads and revenue. You may know them for analytics and app store optimization. Now, AppFigures can help you track competitors from downloads and dollar amounts to audience demographics and even which SDKs they use. Their competitor intelligence gives great context. If a competitor adds a new feature or gets mentioned in the news, AppFigures can tell you if that brought in more downloads. If you have an idea for a new app or a game, AppFigures can tell you how big the market is and how much money it could make you. That is just scratching the surface. Whether you're growing your app or building a new one, AppFigures has the tools you need to reduce risk and get more downloads. You don't need a huge budget or a data science degree. AppFigures has made it affordable and simple, and they provide the tools that can guide you step-by-step -step through gaining more visibility with ASO and increasing your revenue by learning from your competitors. Head to appfigures.com slash on slash gamedevbreakdown to try AppFigures for free, and if you like it, use our special code GDB3030 to get 30% off for the next three months. Speaking of the Game Boy... When we did the Let's Make a Nintendo Game episode, because we did that series about, as an indie with a concept, here's how you can get started on each major platform. We talked about Nintendo. Nintendo is notoriously difficult to publish for because they have, you know, like I joked with somebody during the event coverage for uh, Virtual Indie Games Expo 2020, Nintendo certification is not that different than it was like in the 80s for the NES. I mean, they've still got a long list of things that you need to check off, performance things, product things, things they may just look at funny and decide they don't like. Nintendo's tough to get around. Everybody says so. Well, I neglected to mention, I did mention there's an NES homebrew editor, and I forget the name of it, but it's, it's in the show notes for that episode. You can download this software package and it was the one that was featured in the new 8-Bit Heroes or, or whatever that documentary was. You know the one. Their product, you can download and learn how to do like homebrew games. You can really play in a cartridge. You can flash it to a cartridge and then play it in a real NES or on an emulator on your PC. We talked about that. What I neglected to mention, there is what I believe is an open source Game Boy Studio. Game Boy Studio is a program. It's a little miniature game engine thing. And it's a little bit like cookie cutter. It's not like fantastically open-ended, but using it, you can make your own Game Boy game. So for you Game Boy fans, you old school fans like me, you can do your own homebrew Game Boy stuff. And that's pretty cool. Like that that program, it doesn't really take you any anything but time and a, you know, a little bit of hard drive space to check this out. A pretty cool um, 
demo project comes up once you install it. And it's it's pretty straightforward, but you can do some pretty cool Game Boy Studio stuff uh, that would scratch that itch also. For you people who would love to develop a Nintendo thing, and it doesn't necessarily have to be the Switch. So, I neglected to include that in my Let's Make a Nintendo Game episode, and hopefully I have made things right to some degree. So, I'll, I'll link to that in the show notes also. I got... There's a couple of things, and we were already... We've already uh, burned a ton of time here. So let me burn through these last stories really quick. I got an email from Super Data Research, and I don't, I can never tell anymore because I'm on PR lists here and there. So I, I never know if you guys are getting this stuff or not. Some of you probably are. An email came out from Super Data Research titled, Games Grew 12% in 2020. And this is a report they did with extensive data about... We, I mean, we all knew gaming was going to grow during the pandemic. Retail was going to hurt, but games overall was going to make a ton more money. That was super true. Let me open this uh, executive summary. Not that I'm an executive, but I'm here and you're not, so I'll read it for you. So this is a report that you can go to superdataresearch.com. I'll, I'll link to it. And you can give them up your uh, email address, stuff like that. They'll be happy to give you this report for free. But here are the highlights. Free-to-play games are still rocking. The mobile market experienced 10% growth in 2020, accounted for 58% of the total games market. That's your uh, daily reminder that mobile kicks the ass of everything else in the game industry. Roblox was the third highest earning digital in the highest earning digital game of 2020 and surpassed Fortnite thanks to strong mobile growth. Well, also thanks to Epic shooting itself in the foot. <laughs> Uh, premium games earnings grew 28% year over year, outpacing the growth of free-to-play market. Remember a while back when I said, oh, free-to-play stuff must be really hurting premium games. We found out then I was wrong, and it sounds like I'm even more wrong now. So now I'm, now I'm back to even on being right and wrong for the night. Gaming video content, or GVC as they like to call it, became a 9.3 billion with a B industry in 2020, reaching 1.2 billion with a B viewers. They attribute this to public figures like Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez earning top views. Uh, probably true. So XR, being virtual reality and augmented reality, earned 6.7 billion with a B dollars in 2020, as VR game earnings jumped 25% year over year to 589 million with an M in 2020. The uh, release of Half-Life Alex reinvigorated interest in the technology among hardcore gamers, and of course we have the Oculus Quest 2. I uh, have just just been working on uh, the makeup chapter for the book, because as we talked about, one of my... Uh, one of my subjects backed out, wants nothing to do with it. Well, I've got a new interview to go in in that place, and we talked about the Oculus Quest 2. Basically, the Oculus Quest 2 is as close as we've come to making VR a household thing. So I I understand. Uh, Ryan Ingle of uh, Golfscope and the developer of Top Golf with Pro Putt for Oculus Quest, he has... A lot of good insight on this. We had a conversation about this a while back, and he brought up great points. I mean, we're all we're all kind of wary about Facebook and are they doing the right thing and what are they doing with our data? But you got to admit they are also putting VR in the hands of the masses in a hurry, much faster than Oculus could have done it alone, much faster than Valve was doing it or anybody was doing it. We have to take the good with the bad at the very least. 
Oculus Quest 2 is out there rocking. I don't have one yet, but I've got my Quest 1 played with it just last night. So VR is doing the best it's ever done. And uh, it's it's starting to drive a lot of revenue. So indies out there interested in VR, I mean, don't give up that dream. This is still quite a good time to get started. And uh, it's it's getting less risky all the time. I mean, this isn't going away anytime soon. So if you're thinking about pulling the trigger, don't uh, don't hesitate for my sake. Just, here's an interesting point from this uh from this report, despite an increase in gaming activity due to COVID-19, the rollout of the vaccine is not expected to cause a gaming crash. That didn't even cross my mind. I just want that vaccine so I can go out in public, uh, lick shopping carts, roll around in dirt. I miss being out there doing stupid stuff. I want to go to restaurants and take chances with weird food. I want to get back out there. It's killing me. So I miss my friends. I miss my kid being able to go to school. Like, I miss all this stuff. We want the vaccine because the vaccine is the right thing. It's going to save countless lives. It's going to stop the deaths. We need the vaccine because we need the vaccine. It did not occur to me that gaming might be at risk. If I thought gaming was going to vanish the moment we all took the vaccine, I would say goodbye gaming. But sounds like we won't have to. So there's a uh, paragraph about this and more data in the report, no doubt. The strategies of the big three console makers will will continue to diverge, says this report, talking about Microsoft using Xbox Game Pass to turn into a Netflix-style service. What else? It doesn't mention Sony, but I mean, Sony's the only one doing VR right now. It's true. They've, they've all taken very different approaches. Nintendo is doing platform exclusives and, you know, mobile hardware and everything. Um, cool. So... Uh, Super Data Research does cool reports is the whole thing. And it was interesting to see, you know, like I said, we all knew that COVID was impacting games and it was increasing revenue, at least for digital. Uh, We just didn't know exactly what that looked like. Now we're starting to see those numbers. Absolute confirmation of what we thought. And still, some of the stuff managed to surprise me. Premium games, that's interesting. Uh, the thing about the vaccine not <laughs> not hurting games. Well, thank goodness, because we're all going to go get vaccinated. I would encourage you to the moment you possibly can. The last one, and I'll, I'll, I'll only include this. I'll power through this because there's a funny little bonus involved. We talked about EA and FIFA in the Netherlands. Basically, the situation was loot boxes were banned in the Netherlands in 2018. When I first covered this, I didn't... I don't think I realized loot boxes had been outright banned in the Netherlands with FIFA in mind. So they looked at this, talked about this, and said, because of games like FIFA, we're going to ban loot boxes. It's too close to gambling. It's not fair to do this to kids. And they banned it. And they told EA, we're banning this. You have so long to comply. And eventually we're going to enforce this. And we are going to beat that ass if you don't pull out those loot boxes. (laughs) EA did not pull out those loot boxes. They got hit with fines. And in fact, well, they they, uh, got hit with a judgment worth a fine, something like that. And this was already months ago, but they said, hey, you knew we were going to start enforcing this and you did literally nothing to stop it. And that's what that seemed to be the case. So a couple of stories have come out since that time. Former executive Peter Moore, who is a just a cartoon character of a man. He's a very funny person to uh, follow if you're online. He's a, he's a football club owner now. And that's like he's out of the game industry and now he's in the actual, you know, football world, which is uh, okay, fine. He put out a statement that is going around the web saying like, oh, this is far from gambling. 
And he's very careful not to speak in any official capacity, but he gives this kind of flimsy argument about like, here's why I don't think it's anything like gambling. Let me pull this up. He says, uh, in reference to their loot box system, he says, you're always getting something. It's not like you opened it and there's nothing in there. No, uh, not that there's no players in there. He says, this is a personal view, but the concept of surprise and delight versus gambling on a continuum, they're a long way from each other. You buy or grind your way up to getting a gold pack, you open it up, and you're either happy or you think it's a crappy pack. I don't see that as gambling per se, but again, this is my personal view as an outsider right now. Well, of course, he's even as a former executive, he's not going to go, EA was a bunch of uh, terrible people for what they used to do because he was running it. Like he was the what, president of EA Sports at the time? So he's not going to go, whoever was in charge of that needs their ass kicked. We've got a this was not gambling thing from him, but logically, what if you went to the casino, and this brings me no joy to, to speak against games in this way, but what if you went to the casino tomorrow, sat down at a slot machine, and each pull of the handle cost you $5, and you could win up to $500, or you could get one penny. So you'll never pull the handle and nothing happens. You'll always get at least one penny, but you may get that $500. And there's many increments between this $1, $2, $0.50. But say you played for an entire night, spent $500, and only got a penny each time. You've just got a handful of pennies. That wasn't gambling. That was just surprise and delight. Are you delighted by that? I don't think that logic holds up for me. The Netherlands agrees. (laughs) Uh, EA apparently has put in some new code that will allow them to block the the loot box system. And apparently there's like a snarky message uh, involved on that screen that says something to the effect of due to the demands of regulators or, or something like this. They're finally getting their act together. But it's crazy how long this took. And I don't know what they'll have to pay in fines. I think they've moved to appeal the the judgment and that's still all kind of up in the air, but I think they're going to come away paying something and I'm curious to know how much that's going to be because we all know they've made bajillions of dollars and euros and pounds and everything else through this loot box system. So, okay, that was that story very quickly. Here's your bonus. While I was looking up notes for this, VG247 has an article from way back in, when was it? May of 2014, titled 26 Particularly Rad Photos of EA's Peter Moore. And boy, it is a doozy. This is written by Brenna Hillier, and it it is just that. It's 26 photos of Peter Moore with very funny commentary in between. I will certainly link this, and I'll probably even tweet this. The reason I went looking for something like this was because one of these articles from just now that quotes Peter Moore showed him in boxing gloves and a boxing robe like he was walking out to the ring and he was with who uh sugar ray leonard he was with somebody who was like showing him like how to stand or how to hit or something i was like what the hell am i looking at and i think it had to do with promotion for fight night or something before they got the ufc license and uh it cracked me up and god these this collection of pictures of peter moore he's such a funny guy I don't know if he intends to be a funny guy. I haven't paid very close attention to him. But God, this collection of photos 
something about just having the photos one right after another is hilarious. And the commentary is very funny. Brenna does a fantastic job here. So uh, look up these 26 particularly rad photos of EA's Peter Moore. Okay, that's we got through everything. And uh, we didn't go too long. So those are some updates. I for, This was fun for me because I'm a sucker for stories, as you know. I will, I'm always thinking about this stuff. I think about stuff we cover all the time. Like, whatever happened with that lawsuit between Bethesda and, you know, I, I'm always thinking about this stuff because I just, I like when something comes full circle or there's some kind of resolution. And I bet some of you do too. So, every great once in a while, I am getting up at the crack of dawn. It'll be before dawn. I'm getting up very early tomorrow to talk to someone in... A time zone six hours ahead. I won't reveal too much, but that reveals something right there. I'm going to speak with a uh, game developer who is uh, very nice on Twitter, has a, a following built up, and for good reason, very cool guy. So interview for later in the week, if all goes well. And, uh, you know, this is something we do in the meantime, because I'm sorry, this is all fun and entertaining to me, and I hope it is to you also. So... If you enjoy the Game Dev Breakdown podcast, please consider subscribing. We have show notes at CodeWritePlay.com. We have social media. We have a Discord server, which you can find through CodeWritePlay.com. If you're on Twitter, you can look up Game Dev Pod. You can look up CodeWriteplay or me, Todd Mitchell. I just don't, I, I have a nickname up as my as my name right now, but you can look for Mecha Toddzilla with one D and two L's and uh, connect and send me stories you're thinking about, things that catch your eye, what you're up to, feedback, love hearing it all. And that's it. Love interacting with you folks on social and I am always on the lookout for uh, more entertaining things to talk about. So till next time, look after one another, work hard, make me proud. Let me know what you're up to. This is uh, Todd Mitchell here for Game Dev Breakdown. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you next time. At that moment, nothing mattered in my life more than seeing my three initials at Lakeside with a high score. But now I'm older. There's no quarter to resurrect a hit reset. It's either game over or success. I'm walking towards a light bright, no regrets. Just me, just me, he, he, he.